0: بسم الله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذي نصطف أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدى سبلنا صدق الله العظيم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammadin wa sallam. <clears throat> we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for gra- having granted us iman, bestowing his favors upon us, and we send peace and blessings upon Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa and upon his companions and his family, and his progeny, and his wives, and all those that followed him in their ways. <clears throat> we turn the light on? <clears throat> So uh, this week, <coughs> the next two names that Imam Uzali, he goes into are al jalil and Karim, And then somewhere down the line, towards the end of the list of 99 names, he brings uh, Dhul-Jalali Wal-Ikram. Uh, and that's the order that has been mentioned in Hadith, so, but we're going to go slightly out of order. So we'll do Jalil and Karim, inshaAllah, and bring Dhul-Jalali Wal-Ikram because they're all related and very similar. So Jalil is the majestic one. So what does majesty mean? Imam Muzali, he goes into explaining that Jalil is being the, the, the majestic one means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has certain attributes. His different attributes can be categorized into different things. So his attributes dealing with majesty are might and dominion, uh, knowledge, power, These types of things. This deals with majesty. So you have those that take on a more jalali aspect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those that take on a more jamali aspect. What's the difference between jalal and jamal? Uh, We can look at, you know, if we look at different types of animals, for example. Why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created different types of animals? There are certain things like snakes. We don't understand what, what benefit is there in snakes. Is there any good in snakes? So it's said that snakes don't have any goodness in them. Okay, Why has Allah Ta'ala created this? They're, they are there. One, it could be a sign for us because snakes will also be used in certain types of uh, you know, punishments and whatnot for us in the grave. However, what they also do is they, manifest, they are a manifestation of the Jalal of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Whereas there's other animals, other creatures Allah Ta'ala has made, which are manifestations of His Jamal. right? So it doesn't mean like Wickedness. Jalal has nothing to do with wickedness, but something that causes fear, awe, intimidation. You know, and there's certain things that are manifestation, manifestations of Allah Ta'ala's Jamal, and that is things like, uh, you know, things that we don't really, we're not intimidated by it. We're rather, we might have awe, but we have awe of its beauty, of its elegance, right? So maybe certain types of birds, right? So things like that. <coughs> Uh, I guess even within the birds, you have certain uh, birds that are more jalali and more jamali, even amongst the companions of Rasulullah sallam, So Rasulullah sallam was the most, uh, he was the perfect balance of everything, right? The perfect most middle way of everything. Sometimes he would show jalal, sometimes he would show jamal, but when you describe his companions, you have what? His two closest companions being Umar and Abu Bakr Anhu. So Umar Anhu was more on the jalali side, more on the intimidation, more kind of stern side, whereas Abu Bakr Anhu was more on the softer side. And Rasulullah said to, to the two of them once on one occasion that, Oh Umar, you are like you are like Musa, and you are like Nuh. That you are your likeness is like theirs. Why? Because uh, Nuh after having so much perseverance, so much patience, so much sabr with his community, 900 years, he finally made dua to Allah that, oh Allah, there's nobody else that's going to believe in you, that doesn't already believe in you, so destroy them. And he made dua against his people that didn't believe, right? And then the flood came. Uh, and he told, he told Abu Bakr anhu that you were like Isa and you were like Ibrahim A.S. That what... They said that uh, they made a du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That, oh Allah uh, You know, if you These people have wronged And if they don't Something to the like that If you, uh, if you, destro- if you destroy them, they are yours But if you forgive them Then you are the most merciful So they, they recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He can destroy them because they're His property right? We are the property of Allah But if you, are, if you show your mercy Well, if you forgive them then And overlook them You are the most merciful right? So they made this du'a to, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning if you don't destroy them in the dunya, you, you, you guide them, right? Uh, so you have certain prophets and certain companions of the Prophet system that showed more of a jalali side and certain that showed a more jamali side. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being jalil means what he's, He is, the majesty, right? He is majestic, He has majesty, uh, and the traits of majesty, as we mentioned, are those things dealing with intimidation, right? So might and dominion, aziz, these types of things. You have another trait that we al- already mentioned, one attribute, which was kabir. So kabir was what? Kabir referred to the perfection of essence, the perfection of the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas uh, jalil refers to the perfection of attributes, Meaning, it brings all of these different attributes together. So, one who is absolute and all of these different majestic attributes can be said to be jalil. And alim, alim is the one who is. It, this refers to the perfection of essence and attributes. So, kabir was perfection of essence. Jalil was perfection of attributes, and alim is perfection of both. Okay. Now, jalil, it's said Imam Ghazali mentions that it's related to beauty. It's related to beauty. Uh, and this is interesting because we talk about what? Jalil, the Jalal of Allah and the Jamal of Allah. Jamil means beauty. Right? So you can say a person is Jamil, that this person is beautiful. right? <coughs> uh, so it's related to beauty. However, beauty is something that was initially coined when you're viewing something externally. Jalil has to... Majesty is more in essence of looking at the inward of an individual. So it's not necessarily the outward, the, the outward beauty, which uh, when, when, someone has, when an individual or something has outward beauty that we say this person is Jaleel, but rather when that inward beauty is, is established. So outward beauty is through sight and inward beauty is through insight, right? That you're able to see something beyond what the eyes can see, something beyond what is just uh, per, what is apparent. Right, and that's what Jalil is now if we think about majesty we think about like think about a king for example right? that's who is described as being you know, they'll, they might have referred to kings as you know, your majesty for example what type of what did a king portray when a king entered the room when a king sat before people what happened? the king was they would refer to him as his majesty right? or the queen as her majesty so there's a certain type of power a certain type of intimidation and awe and elegance that was, uh, that was manifest to the people. Right, now Imam Uzali says, however, there is no comparison between external forms and internal meaning. Right, so Jalil is more internal rather than out, uh, outward, rather than external, and there's no, there's no comparison between the external forms and internal meanings, and the internal meaning can only be perceived by intellectual perception. Right, so Jalil has to do with something internal, something that brings awe amongst the people, amongst those, amongst the onlooker. Um, so as we mentioned, Allah Ta'ala, we've mentioned before, Allah ta'ala is Alim, Halim, Ghafoor, Raheem, Kareem, these types of things. A person who has all of these, Karim, inshallah will do today. Uh, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, being absolute in all of these things, this is what makes him Jaleel. Right, and as we mentioned that it, it casts, Jaleel means that it casts intimidation into the onlooker. So there were certain teachers that we had when we studied. That they were so soft, right? They were so soft, but approaching them was highly intimidating. We just we we were so like shy to ask a question of some of our teachers, even though they were very soft in nature, but they just they had this awe about them. This is a trait of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, right? That when people would look at him, they would kind of they would actually be afraid at first because he was intimidating, like a lion right a lion you'd look at a lion and it's it's intimidating right it's just it's, it's brute strength is just its power is manifest and apparent however when you when you did actually speak to rasulullah what happened he was the softest person right that aisha says that he was rasulullah sallallahu was more shy than a girl that had never been married before right that rasulullah had more shyness and more haya than even that individual but he was still very intimidating and he, he he put awe into the hearts of people when they first looked at him. Right? And so he was a little bit intimidating to approach at first, but then once you approached him, he was very he was very easygoing after that, right? Uh, it's said that a person, when a servant is of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is exposed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's beauty, when he's exposed to Allah Ta'ala's beauty, then it will create a longing to come closer to Allah it will create a longing and a desire to make ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we are exposed to his beauty then it will create that longing to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala however if we slip if we sin if shaitan gets the best of us in a certain situation then we should seek refuge with this attribute of al-jalil we should call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as ya jalil why because jalil this attribute of Allah ta'ala is the one that humiliated firaun this is what humiliated Fir'aun. So what will happen? That if we call, when we slip and we sin, we call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as al Jalil. Sin is darkness, right? Sin is darkness that has come onto our heart. So we call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Jalil, And the light from that attribute shines and it wipes out our sin. Now there's many narrations also, of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, some by Anas Anhu, some by Mu'adh bin Jabal, عنه, that Rasulullah Sallallahu walked by them, or he walked, or it's either he walked like bin, uh, Muad bin Jabal. He walked by him, and he heard this. Anas Radhiyallahu narrates that Rasulullah walked by another companion in another incident, and he heard them calling upon Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala by Dhul Jalali Wal Ikram, Ya Dhul Jalali Wal Ikram, or Al Jalil. And Rasulullah told that companion of his that you have mentioned a great name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, so now make your make your dua, for Allah Taala will answer that this name is so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he will then answer it. Imam Ghazali mentions the counsel is very short for this. He says that the majestic and beautiful among men is the one whose interior attributes are attractive so as to give pleasure to discerning hearts. Exterior beauty is of lesser worth. So what can we take away from Jaleel? As we mentioned, it's, there's awe, but it's also connected to beauty. So to bring this into our life is to have proper and sound inward character. Yeah. yeah so uh, what can we take away from this is to have inward beauty inward character because as we mentioned jalil has to do with the inward the inward beauty as opposed to the outward and the inward is what when someone has inward beauty this is what manifests their elegance and this is what shows brings awe out amongst the people usually right there's different factors and whatnot then you have Al-Kareem Kareem is the generous one so Kareem The one who exceeds the limits that anybody could hope for. That's what Kareem means. Now, Allah Ta'ala is generous in so many different aspects. So many different aspects, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. We can't even enumerate how Allah Ta'ala is Kareem. How many different aspects of our life and in the creation of Allah that He is Kareem. Now, the Arabs used to regard anything as good or anything of great importance or something being precious as Kareem. Right? So, uh... Rasulullah used to say that Yusuf al is Karim, that he is amongst the most Karim of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's creation. Right? Anything with merit was called Karim. So Rasulullah referred to Yusuf al-Islam as that. Now Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has mentioned um, in, in one verse of Quran: "Waman shakara fa nafsihi." That whoever is thankful, he has only been thankful for his own self, only for his own benefit. "Waman kafara fa inna and whoever is ungrateful, then indeed my Rab is Ghani, He is independent, and He is Kareem, He is generous. So what? whoever is ungrateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala is still Kareem. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is definitely cases in all of our lives that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives us when we don't ask for forgiveness. We are ungrateful and He continues giving us. We don't ask for something and He gives us anyway. We don't even know what it is we are in need of and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives it to us. How many bounties are we not aware of that we have, that we haven't realized Allah ta'ala has given those things to us? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, in Surah Namal, He mentions that even if you are ungrateful, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is still kareem, that He still gives you, right? He still gives you despite you not having asked for it. Now kareem means generous. There's another word in Arabic that also means generous. This is sakhi. Sakhi, seen? kha, ya. Yeah. Sakhi means generous. What's the difference between Sakhi and karim? Sakhi is generous, but this is a person who gives when he is asked for something. So when I'm asked for something, then I give. That's Sakhi. Kareem is what? Karim is an individual who gives without having been asked for it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being Kareem means that He does not permit anyone who seeks... Rasulullah, uh, that he does not permit anyone who seeks refuge with him to suffer loss. Meaning, how is he kareem, how is he generous? That if we just ask Allah Ta'ala for protection, that we seek refuge in him from something, then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala will definitely grant us that refuge. He will open a way for us. He will make a way out for us. We seek refuge in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, he will give us. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has said in the Qur'an, Surah Infitar, he has said, Ya al Insan. مَا غَرَّكَ That, O oh insan, O oh humankind, what is it that has caused you to be beguiled in your Lord? What has caused you to be distracted or to not have this you know, understanding and reality of your Lord? That is who? Al Karim. That, what does this mean? That we are beguiled, we are deceived, or we don't have a true sense of understanding of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Do we not have situations where a person says, or we might have said ourselves that... Uh, you know, oh, Allah Taala won't forgive me. I might as well just keep sinning. What's the point in asking? Allah Taala is not going to give me. We might have come to that. We might have said that ourselves. We might have said, "What hope is there left for me?" Right? Have we? We might have said that ourselves. We might have heard an individual saying that. This is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is saying. Ya yuhul insan, ma qara kabir Rabbikal Kareem. What has caused you to be deceived by your? Uh, what has caused you to be deceived in the thought and and understanding of your Rabb? It's mentioned in certain narrations, the awliya, they used to stand before Allah and they used to say that, oh Allah, I have sinned so much, my sins, in their humility, they would say, or uh, certain sinners would say that, oh Allah, my, my sins are so much, they amount to the oceans, the oceans, the foam of the oceans, they amount to that. And I would have been hopeless in asking for your forgiveness, except that I remember that your, your mercy is more superior than my wickedness. That I sinned because of my wickedness, right? I sinned. If I think that I am, if I think that, that you can't forgive me, that means I think that my wickedness is greater than your mercy. But that's not the case, right? Allah Ta'ala's mercy is greater than our wickedness. So we should never feel that we cannot ask Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. We should never feel that we cannot, we cannot make dua to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala for guidance in whatever situation we might be in. Nabi then mentions that Allah provides His bounties even to those who don't deserve them. <laughs> the biggest example of Karim is forgiveness for our sins. And a hadith is brought by the ulama regarding this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that there will be an individual who will stand before Allah on, on Yom al-Qiyamah. On the Day of Judgment, he will stand before Allah. And he will say to Allah, that Allah ta'ala will tell the angels that bring in front of him the minor sins. Right, that's the day of taking to account. So whatever we've done in this world will be brought before us. So the angels will come and they will present our minor sins before us. And this individual will look at them and he's going to be questioned about them. And he's going to think that, you know, what if this is like, you know, this is just the minor sins. What's going to happen when we get to the major sins? You know? And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end will say that in, as a replacement for all of these minor sins, because I'm pleased with you for other acts of goodness that you did, I'm going to replace all of these minor sins with good deeds. Then the individual who was fearing that, man, what about my minor sins? You know, I have these major sins to get to And say, oh Allah, there's also some major sins that I have. You know, there's also other things that I did. Why don't you bring those also? Because he wants those to be changed and replaced also. This is the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is Allah ta'ala being kareem. Now Imam Ghazali rahimullah, he mentions that a person to bring this into their life, they should be good to the orphan, good to family, good to friends, good to the neighbors, good to those around us. Be good to everyone. And he brings certain narrations that Rasulullah said that if someone who is held in high esteem by his people comes to you, be generous to him. Another hadith Rasulullah said that your Rub is generous and he's too shy to disappoint any of his servants who pleads him. This is how he is Kareem. You ask him, he's too shy to turn you away from it. This is why every single du'a will be answered. Definitely, every du'a is answered in one of three ways. Right? Either it's given to us in the way that we uh, in the way that we ask of it. Number two, it's some, other, some bad was coming towards us and that, that supplication we made became a block for something bad that was going to come our way. Or Allah will recompense us. He won't give us in this world. And He'll recompense us with something. Uh, he'll recompense us with something on the Day of Judgment, with something greater than, than having answered that supplication. And when that recompense comes, we will at that time wish that none of our supplications were answered in this world, that all of them were given to us in the hereafter. Yeah. So, I had a question about du'a's pertaining to ask, can you do like other people. Um, can you ask for forgiveness for other people? Yeah. Or even, And is there like a time limit? Like if it's before or after they pass away or? No, you can definitely make du'a for their forgiveness. Okay. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even in the Qur'an... He's, he's commanded us to ask for forgiveness for the people who attended Badr and Uhud. The people who attended Badr and Uhud, He commanded us to ask forgiveness on their behalf. Even though they're the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, like Allah Ta'ala said that those who attended Badr, uh, Jannah is wajib on them. Jannah is necessary on them, right? But He still commanded us to ask forgiveness for those that He's already forgiven. So even more so, we could ask for forgiveness for those who that guarantee is not there for. Right? And when you make dua, when you supplicate, this is more a discussion to, you know, when we discuss, there's a certain name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of of Him him being the answerer of supplication. But when we ask Allah ta'ala for, uh, for, when we make dua for someone else, this is of the utmost sincerest of actions. Uh, The reason is, because when we supplicate, we're supplicating silently. Another individual doesn't know that we're supplicating for them. So this is a completely sincere action. Right? Unless we ruin it and go and tell them like, oh yeah, by the way, I made du'a. You know? That's fine. I mean, don't think, oh I, you know? Sometimes you tell people, hey, you know, I've been making du'a for you and you're in our du'as and stuff. It's good. It makes them feel good. That doesn't mean your actions were insincere, but you know, when you make doa sin- uh, uh, secretly for an individual, then that's of the most sincerest of actions because it wasn't done with, there's, you're not getting anything in return in, in the worldly sense from it, right? Now, uh, I mean, the people, of, the people of Badr and Uhud, because they, they hold such a high weight, right? That was when Islam was on the brink of destruction. Like the Quraysh had come and they were ready to decimate all the Muslims that there were. And they stood there. Battle of Badr especially, they had nothing, right? Some of them were holding sticks in their hand. They didn't even have weapons. And they still stood and put their life on the line for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's easy to have a huge army behind you, you know? But when you're outnumbered the way they were then it's a lot more difficult to stand up and be sincere for Allah's cause, right? Um, so it's like Rasulullah said that Khadija was my favorite wife. He told Aisha on that. She said, why? He said, because she was with me when nobody else was. So those early Muslims were with him when no one else was, you know? Um, you know, if he, if, he had, if, he had, if he had the kingdom that he had, the empire he had during like anhu's time or something... I mean, that was like a huge kingdom, right? It would have been much easier for people to just be like, oh yeah, let's be Muslim because it's the nice thing that it's, you know, it's the thing to be these days, right? Uh, so they hold up very weighty status. <coughs> um, he also mentions, oh, so also now regarding people who Allah Ta'ala is pleased with, of course, if we make du'a for them, Allah Ta'ala loves them and He's pleased with them. So, you know, it's like, if you have a loved one, and you see somebody go do something for that loved one, right? A child or something. You automatically feel that bond with them. So you make dua, you do goodness. Like what can we do for the people that have passed away? All we can do is supplicate for them. So if we supplicate on their behalf, then higher likelihood that Allah Ta'ala will be pleased with us and He'll grant us also. And when you make dua for someone else, then Allah Ta'ala, angels come and make dua for you to have the same thing also. This is all discussions, maybe we'll just skip that name <laughs> when we come to it. But, uh, so other narrations um, or other things Imam Ghazali mentions is he says that you should make a habit of forgiving anybody who does any wrong to you. This is also uh, how we can be karim ourselves. To make a habit of forgiving others even if they do it repeatedly. Furthermore, we should cover the faults of others. Right? We should cover the faults of others. And this is something that we are, we're suffering from, right, that we jump to to spread the faults of others because it's good makes good gossip. You know what happens is you get friends, people who consider each other friends. They get together, they socialize. The one friend that's not there, they'll talk all the trash in the world about this individual. And then the, the the group separates, there's another gathering, the you know person A wasn't there last time, he's there this time. Person is not there, who was there last time. And now they, they all get together and they talk about Person C. They'll even turn around and tell the one that wasn't there, you know this guy, you know he was saying all this stuff about you. And like, that's their friendship, you know? Somebody was, I, I we were discussing this with somebody, and they're like, it's like Desperate Housewives. I know, I've never, I've never seen it on them. But you know, it's, that's the state of people, right? That's the reality. Like, that's what, that's how people are. We should, especially with like social media and stuff, we have to be careful. It's very easy to share people's faults through social media right? Snapchat, all these things. It's very easy. I'm not saying don't use those things, but use it for good. You know, use it to good, for good. Use it to stay in touch with people, but don't use it to spread the faults of others. That's not, that's not good, right? There's certain situations where a person's fault needs to be exposed, right? And it's very few situations, but it's not the way we use it, right? It's like somebody's proposes, like say, say somebody goes and proposes for a girl, right? And the family asks about the, this individual who proposed, you're allowed to just bear all at that moment, right? You're allowed to bear all at that moment, right? Because this is a person's life in jeopardy. Similarly, business, two people are going into business, right? One person has horrible business practices. You can go to that individual and tell them, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. This person, like, does a lot of fraud, this, that, whatever. You can bear all at that moment. But that's pertaining to those things that are going to affect them, right? If somebody has bad business practice, if if somebody has good business practices, um, but they're just, you know, they're not like, you know, they might have done some things in their life like whatever, they did things they shouldn't have done like, you know, they drink alcohol or something like that, right? But they're, that doesn't affect them in their business, right? So then you shouldn't go to the person they're about to go into business with and be like, oh, you know this person goes clubbing? It's like, okay, what does that have to do with the situation? You know what I mean? Uh, but there's few instances where you're allowed to expose an individual and that's not even to the masses. That's to those individuals that it's, it, it pertains to. That, that it's... Um, we're going to be affected by it, right? So we should overlook people and their faults, we should cover the faults of others, and if we cover the faults of others, then Allah co- covers our faults on the Day of Judgment. Imam Ghazali then says that you will not be able to please everybody with your wealth, so please them with your good manners. Good manners is a part of being karim, of being generous. Karim also, it means generous, it also means to be honorable. It also means to be honorable. So Allah Ta'ala has said in the Quran, uh, Inna akram, uh, inna indallahi atqakum. That indeed the most honourable according to Allah is the one of you is that is the one who has the most taqwa, the one, the one, the one who is most honourable. So karim can mean honour. It can mean uh, generous as well. <coughs> and there's a hadith that uh, Rasulullah says that the generous one, the generous one, the karim one, the generous one is close to Allah. He is close to the hearts of people. He is close to paradise. He is distant from the fire. And a miser is distant from Allah, distant from the people, distant from paradise, and close to the fire. So miserliness is a negative trait. Generosity is a very virtuous trait. And then the last thing Imam Ghazali mentions regarding this is he says that the generous amongst people, the generous amongst people don't always receive recognition, but are Contrarily, they're bogged down by more demands. So a person who's generous, sometimes they don't get thanked for it. They don't get recognition for it. What happens? Like a person's generous. So if we think in terms of money, right? You give out to somebody, you give money to someone. Then someone else comes and they give money. Then someone else comes and gives money. Eventually, people are asking you all around. And what's happening? You're actually getting kind of, it's becoming somewhat of a burden that people are asking you. Or you go and you do charity work. Or you do some goodness, you help people out. So then everyone starts coming to you and asking you. They're not rec- you're not getting the recognition you deserve sometimes, but more and more people are coming. So Imam Muzali says, don't be disheartened by this. Because then when so many people start coming and having these demands of you, you start you know, getting frustrated. So he says, don't allow this to frustrate you because this is a sign of Allah Ta'ala's acceptance of your actions. The fact is that these people keep asking you for this thing means that Allah Ta'ala has accepted your having given the people before you that you having done something for the people before you. So don't get frustrated uh, when people are continuous and they're asking. Now, <clears throat> the next name was Raqib, but before we get to that, I wanted to mention Dhul Jalali Wal Ikram. And Dhul Jalali Wal Ikram, this is mentioned much later on, and it's very short. Imam Zahid Ramullah. This is like, it basically ends up being his counsel for Kareem and Jalil. جل, uh, okay? So, Dhul Jalali Wal Ikram, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. Mentions this a couple of times in the Quran, both times in Surah Rahman. I, I don't think it's mentioned uh, any other place, but he says, "Tabarakasurabbika, Dil Jalali wal Ikram," that glorify the name of your Rabb, the one, the possessor of Jalal and the possessor of Ikram. So the Lord of Majesty and Generosity. Okay, now. Remember we mentioned that Imam rahimullah Hanifa rahim Allah, he says that the Ismul Adham, that name of Allah Ta'ala, that if it is used, Allah Ta'ala has made it necessary upon Himself to answer. And Imam Abu Hanifa said is, that he believes Ismul Adham is the name Allah. So many of the ulama have said that Dhul Jalali Wal Ikram is that Ismul Adham, Because it wasn't told to us what that Ismul Adham was, that magnificent name was that is Allah Ta'ala has made him come in to answer. Imam Abu Hanifa and people, others held his opinion that Allah is that name. Other ulama held the opinion that Dhul Jalali Wal ikram is that name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That when you use that name, Allah Taala makes it incumbent to answer that dua. Now, what's the difference between... yeah? Can you explain what that means? Because like how is that different than the other like three categories of your dua being answered? Of, of answering the dua? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as far as I know, I think it means specifically in the manner that you're asking of it, right? Specifically in the manner that you're asking. So, like, you'll just get it automatically. That that you know within your life, Allah Taala will will answer that dua or. We we don't know if that's really the al Adham, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but but, but secondly, I mean, secondly, I mean, secondly, there there are certain things that are just the decree of Allah and like certain things are gonna happen, right? So world peace will also come. Eventually there will be world peace, but there are certain things that have to happen before that also. Or like, what if you ask, like, can another cup of coffee appear in front of me? Like that's probably not gonna happen, right? Well, you know, <laughs> 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 those things are from, just just those things are from thee, so Allah Ta'ala might bring that to you, right? Not all du'as are answered exactly at that moment. Um, and a lot of these things are based on our tawakkul too, right? That things appearing out of nowhere, this has been documented in the past, right? This has been documented in the past. Like look at, I mean, look at Maryam, right? In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bears testimony that that happened for her. She would sit there making her ibadah and the fruits that were from winter were coming to her in the summer, right? That was their level of piety, their level of trust in Allah ta'ala that got them. Those that got them those things, right? We don't have most of us don't have that level, right? There are certain individuals in this world, probably very, very, very few that do have that level and they are granted. You know? Yeah. So those miracle type of things still happen? Yeah. Definitely definitely nothing is like nothing has changed as far as Allah He gave them so He can He has the means to give us now also right He doesn't even need the means right it's on our level of trust in Allah and our level of piety also right right so anyway I was going to say like it's like the story and the ambition about the when someone came the doctor came to yeah right Right, exactly. So, so, what's the difference between Al Jalil, Al Kareem, and Dhul Jalali, Wal Ikram? So, the, 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 there's a, a, a particle that comes before Jalal and Ikram here, and that's the, the particle, Dhu. Dal wow. This means possessor, right? So, Allah is the possessor of majesty and the possessor of generosity or, or honor. Now, <clears throat> Imam Ghazali, he, he says, just to summarize this, he says that. Um, The Lord of majesty and generosity is the one from whom there is no majesty or perfection, but that it is His. Nor is there generosity or noble gift, but that it flows from Him. For majesty is by His nature, by nature while generosity emanates from Him to His creation. And the various forms of generosity to, create, to His creation are hardly restricted or limited. As the saying of the, uh, of the Most High indicates, verily we have honored the children of Adam. That's it. That's all he mentions for Adul jadali wal-Ikram. In summary, what is he saying? He's saying that Allah has given honor and means to people... So don't be deceived by thinking. He's given honor and means to people. So don't be deceived by thinking. Achievement is by yourself. In my own, like, I th- thinking about this, in my own, like, deficient conclusion, I think the reason Allah Ta'ala has put Dhul Jalali wal Ikram separate from Jalal and Ikram, because He doesn't put these names in order as a repetition. He doesn't repeat anything, right, in, amongst His names. They're all there specific for a specific purpose. So I think the reason that this is here that Allah Ta'ala mentions this, or Rasulullah mentioned this as one of his names, and Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Qur'an, is that majesty and honor are two things that usually lead us to arrogance and pride, right? Look at Firaun. He claimed that he was Rabbul A'la, right? The highest Rabb. Not even just the Lord. He claimed that he was the highest Lord, right? That's what Firaun claimed. And other individuals, they claim these things, right? Whoever claimed... uh, uh, you know, godship, whoever uh, claimed being a god, they, it was their majesty amongst people, the awe and elegance that they inspired in people, the honor that they held in society that led them to believing that they were Allah. Very, very, very rarely, I think, and, and it's probably, it's happened, but like, we don't know about them, but very rarely was it that an individual who had nothing, right? Somebody who might be a beggar in the streets might think of themselves to be Allah. Right, it's very rare. It's somebody. Typically, it's somebody that holds status. And if it is somebody who doesn't hold status amongst people, then we don't know about it. About it, right? And and that individual who doesn't hold any status, but he still has arrogance, he's of the most hated to Allah. Why? Because he's like you don't even have anything to be arrogant and proud about, and yet you still have arrogance, right? And Allah Ta'ala puts that individual in the same in the same cat. It's mentioned in the same hadith as the individual who fornicates in his old age. Because when you're young, that's when that desire is there. When you reach old age, that desire is gone. And yet you're still doing it. This is like, you don't even have that desire anymore and you're still going out of your way for this, right? So, again, in my own thinking, I, I thought that it's, it's probably for that reason that Allah Ta'ala mentions that you have majesty amongst people, you have honor amongst people. Allah Ta'ala is dhul jalali wal ikram. He is the possessor of that majesty and honor. So don't forget that Allah Ta'ala is the one that allowed you to be, to have that amongst people, to have that status amongst people. And Allah Ta'ala is the one that gives you. He's the one that allowed it to happen. You didn't achieve it on your own, but Allah Ta'ala gave it to you. right? Allah is the giver of honor. He's the giver of majesty. And Imam Musa mentioned that Allah Ta'ala, or some of the other ulama mentioned that Allah Ta'ala has tied all his creation. So we might think an individual to be very kingly, right? Or to be highly independent. But the ulama mentioned that Allah Ta'ala has tied this entire world together through the rope of need. Nobody is truly independent, even the one who seems to have everything. They're dependent on their own material, they're dependent on their subordinates, those below them, their employees, their servants, whatever it might be, right? They're still dependent on these things. So no one is truly independent. Everyone, and this is the nidam, this is how Allah Ta'ala, the order of Allah Ta'ala in this world, that He has linked everything together with need. All of us are are in need of each other, one way or the other. Everybody, right? So you have the person sitting at the top that's worth billions of dollars. Okay, how did they get their billions? Maybe they inherited it. Okay, how did that person, how did their father get these, their, all that billions? Because they had a company. And now what about all the, thing, all the things that were necessary to make that company successful, right? The guy, you know, running the janitorial service to clean the, the company was also needed. Why? Because if the place was filthy, no one would come and work there. No one would stay there. Right? all of that was needed so even that individual there's a need for them right? we, don't, we don't think anything society doesn't think of any, any like, uh, peop, garbage men we don't think anything of them but look at how, how much we're in need of them right? I used to live in South Africa right? so like we had over here we have garbage cans and the garbage truck comes and it lifts up the garbage can and it dumps it Over there, you just had to take your garbage and put it out on the street. And there was a garbage truck that would go by, people would jump off, pick up the bag, and throw it, and you'd see the whole garbage truck going with all the garbage piled in the back. And if you put your bag out too early, the monkeys would come and they'd rip up the garbage, and there was trash all over your yard, (laughs) right? Huh? Yeah, monkeys. Monkeys, yeah. They were small, but like, there's cases where people, like they have bars on the windows, if people left them open and no one was home, the monkeys would come, they'd open everything, they'd eat everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, all of these, we don't think anything of these people, but society is highly dependent on them, right? Imagine how difficult our life would be if we didn't have garbage men, right? But if we aspire to, be, no one aspires to be a garbage man, right? But they're highly needed in society. So there's no, like, we shouldn't be looking down on anybody, right? Even, and especially if that's their job, right? So Allah Ta has tied everyone together with need. Now what is Jalal wal-Ikram? It combines the desire, it combines desire, awe, hope, and fear. This is what it means, Allah Ta'ala jalali wal-Ikram. So what is Jalal, right? Jalal, like, it's mentioned in some narrations that Isa, salam. He, Isla Islam, he mentions Allah Ta'ala quotes him in the Quran. ما قلت لهم إلا ما أمرتني به that I did not say, I did not say to the people except what you commanded me. What was that? أن يعبد uh, أن الله ربي that worship Allah, my Rabb, وربكم and your Rabb. وكنت عليهم shahida, and I was a, I I I was I testified over them, right? مَا dumtu فِيهِمْ As long as I was with them. فَلَمَّا تَوَفَّيْتَنِي كُنْتَ أَنْتَ الرَّقِيبِ Right? Um, he said that, but when you, took me away, when you took me away from this world, then you were watchful over them. Okay? So Isa is saying that I was not, I did not uh, tell them anything except that you commanded me. Now on the Day of Judgment, Isa will be called before everyone to testify that, did you claim to be Allah? Did you claim to be Allah? He didn't, right? He knows that, Allah knows that. But Allah ta'ala wants him to bear testimony in front of everybody. It's said that out of the awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will stand there and who knows how many years will pass, right? He's going to stand there in such awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he won't say anything. And then eventually he will scream out that, no, I didn't, right? Why? He know- I mean, he's the Prophet of Allah, right? He holds a high position amongst the Prophets, amongst the messengers. Isa, holds such a high place. But... Because of the awe of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, this is what Jalal is. Another example uh, explained is that in Jannah, Allah Taala will call His different the different servants. He'll call us and He'll say, you know, at different times to gaze upon Allah Taala, to gaze upon His countenance. Now, again, we don't Allah Taala doesn't have a form, so we don't know how that's going to be. But He's going to call us, okay? And He will say to the dwellers of Jannah, some of them will come, you know, every day. Some of them will come once a week, once a month, once a year. Some of them will come. Once, that's it. And those that come repeatedly, Allah Taala has said that the the um, the biggest honor, the most pleasure, and the most reward that we can have, that a person in Jannah can have, is to gaze upon Allah. So the question is that when a person gazes upon Allah, why would they ever turn away? Why would they ever stop gazing upon Allah? So what happens is Allah Taala will call them. He will make His Jamal be manifest. So we mentioned what Jalal and Jamal are are sort of, they're they're related, but they're somewhat opposite, right? Jamal is more softness, Jalal is more sternness, right? Awe-inspiring. So his Jamal will be manifest over the people of paradise, and they will start coming and gathering in some place. And then they will gaze upon Allah. And then Allah Ta'ala will make his Jalal manifest. And so much awe will come into the hearts of people that they will look down. And when they look down, they will leave. So this is an explanation of what it means to be Jalal. Yeah. Just a quick question. Yeah. You said something about like how like some people will have the opportunity to see maybe like once a week or once a month or whatever. Yeah. Would that fester into like jealousy for some people? Because in general I know there's no like there's no jealousy, there's no American kind of that. Yeah. But would it, like there's like certainly, definitely that sets people apart. That yeah. And stuff like that. So would people like be jealous or something? Yeah, no, that's a good question. There won't be any jealousy, so no one will be jealous of another individual. But there, the only there will be moments of remorse for individual when they think back to the time they wasted in this world that they didn't spend in the remembrance of Allah, right? So when they see certain people will be given different thrones and jewels and all these different things, right? And you'll see these people, and you might have it yourself. You won't be jealous of them, but it's going to be somewhat of remorse. Not remorse that drives you crazy, but somewhat remorse that's going to be like, oh man, if I had just spent more time remembering Allah, I would have had that. I would have had that status. That's it. It won't be, it won't be jealousy. Jealousy and, uh, jealousy and envy of an individual is linked to that individual not having those things. So you want those bounties taken away from them. That's not going to happen. Right? It's not going to be that type. So... Uh, <clears throat> Right, so you guys understand that this is, this is Jalal, the Jalal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? He's Dhul Jalali wal Ikram. And so this is where it was mentioned that Mu'adh bin Jabal and others, they used to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Ya Jalali wal Ikram, right? That his Jalal will be, it's awe-inspiring. Uh, it's awe-inspiring and it causes that bit of intimidation. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So you can ask for anything. You can ask for for anything in Jannah, right? You can ask for those things. Now, what you ask for in Jannah will be um, uh, whatever you ask for in Jannah. Like, you'll get those things, right? However, people's status will still be at different levels, right? So that little bit of remorse that I sh- didn't spend my life in more obedience to Allah and more remembrance of Allah, more dhikr. Because every subhanAllah, every Allahu Akbar, every Alhamdulillah, every mention of Allah's name that you make, glorification of Allah you make, raises status, right? Every verse of Quran that's memorized raises your status. right? Every verse raises your status one level. So that bit of remorse will always remain because you ask for Allah, you ask Allah for something, but had you done Something else, right? So like say, you see somebody who has a higher level, higher status because maybe they memorize more Qur'an. You might say, oh Allah, you know, give me that person's status. Even if he was to give that to you, well, had you memorized more Qur'an, you would have had that plus what you asked for, right? So it still would have been higher. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's not, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how Jannah works, right? How paradise works. But, you know, it could be that you get different bounties, but we we tend to think more linearly, right? So like, the way the mind might perceive it is that you have like first level, second level, third level, whatever. So your status might be within, you know, out of like a million levels, yours might be like hundred, right? Or a thousand, or, you know, or 900,000, or whatever it might be, right? And you'll get whatever bounties you ask for there, but the higher level will still be a higher level. Yeah. So I have a question um, the teacher said something about this. She said, um, that's like you in gender, you see something so someone has, that Allah will give it to you, and without you knowing he'll give the other person something higher. So is like the right space there. Makes sense, right? So now you don't know that they have something higher, you can't even ask them for, <laughs> for that thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I love a low Allen, but you know. Inshallah. I know if you can, like, so there's no more you know, like so if you like you but you know, about you know feels remorse, then would you feel like wanting to do more Ibada? Like is that that's it right once you're in Jannah you're yeah. in Jannah so like your Ibadah is not like Ibadah is for the dunya okay. so w- w- you know different things that you do in Jannah like say you were to like say okay I'm gonna pray right That's not gonna increase your status because that was all for the dunya right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I had planned to do al-raqib you have like five minutes. Can we do it? It's not very long. Yeah? Good. Alright. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being ar-raqib, this means the all-observant, the watcher, right? Careful watch with precision. So raqib, there's different uh, things mentioned that what raqib is used for. Raqib is used for Number one, with Allah Ta'ala, it means the one who knows and protects. So both things together, right? So his watchfulness is through his knowledge and his protection over an individual. So a person who serves in the vanguard of an army, this person is referred to as a Vanguard is what? It's those, that faction of the army that was sent ahead, sort of scouting, right? To make sure there's no danger up ahead, right? They would come back and report. So they are sort of a, protect, a protection for the army so that the army doesn't get caught off guard, Okay. Raqib is also Allah Taala says, "ما yalfidu من, uh, من قول إلا لديه رقيب ونعتيد. That there's nothing that you can say, there's no word, there's no utterance you make except that by your side, there is somebody prepared to prepared and watching. Meaning what? The angels. So the raqib, the angels that record our deeds, they are watching over us. They are watchful over us. They are called raqib. They are called raqib. So raqib is the one who watches. Imam Ghazali mentions that whoever cares of something to the point of never forgetting it, observes it with a constant and persistent gaze to the point that the one to whom it was forbidden would never approach it. So like you, you, have, like you put your phone down and you've said that this, you know, or like, some, like a diamond, and you've said that this is forbidden to, to, for you to come near it. What's going to happen? They might want to come near it, right? But they're going to come near it, like now they know if they come near it, you're gonna, there's going to be consequences they're only going to come near it when they think you're not watching. So raqib is that that close watch over something that that individual who's forbidden to would never come close to it. That's how intently Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching us. So Allah ta'ala says in the Quran inna bil mirsad. That indeed your Rabb, your lord over you is mirsad. Mirsad means what? Mirsad is explained that I think we explained this in uh, when we did basir, but mirsad is explained as the one who when he is about to, when he's aiming at his target, right? Someone who goes hunting, they're aiming at their target and they are about to take fire. They're about to pull that trigger, how their breath stops and how they become so in tune with every movement and breath of that animal that they're about to shoot. Right? How much intent, like you every, all the, any blade of grass uh, uh, or, or leaf of a tree that might be in the way, you're aware of it, right? It's all being taken into account. The wind is taken into account. Everything is taken into account at that moment. And everything outside of that, you're just oblivious to it, right? That's what mirasad means. That's how closely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala watches over us. So it's mentioned that it's as though this refers to knowledge and protection together. Knowledge and protection together. Because Allah tells, Watching all of us, every single one of us, with this much intent, right? And that verse that we mentioned uh, of Eith, where Allah Subhanahu wa Isa c- quoting Sallam, that he said, "Fala uh, alayhim." That when you took me away from this world, then you were raqib over them. You were watchful over them. You were watching what they did. So Ihsan is t- saying that, Oh Allah, I didn't, t- I didn't command anything except what you told me to command, except what you commanded me to say, right? And that is what to worship you. You are my Lord and you are their Lord as well. And I was, I made sure of this during my time there. Once I was gone, then you watched over them and you saw what happened, right? That's what Isa a. is saying. There's a narration, I think it's a narration of, of, it's like a Israeli riwayah, right? It's a narration that comes down from, uh, from, from the uh, books of the Jewish people. And it's not, it's not necessarily problematic, so it's okay to narrate. Um, as far as I know, it comes from their narrations. I don't remember it coming from our, like our books of hadith and whatnot. That one time Musa al-Islam was asked, uh, do you, uh, that go and, can you ask Allah, does he ever sleep? So Musa islam went to Allah and he said, he asked Allah, oh Allah, do you sleep? So Allah Ta'ala has said in the, in the Ayatul Kursi, right? Uh, that Allah Ta'ala does not, there's no drowsiness nor a complete slumber that overtakes him. So Musa islam asked Allah Ta'ala, that do you, do you sleep? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he told him, he said, Tonight, I want you to take two pots of water and hold them. And just stay awake the whole night. And stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. So he stood there and he stayed awake and he held them and held them and held them. He got a little drowsy and as he was, he started to tip over, the pots of water fell and everything broke and, you know, spilled. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him that if I was to sleep, this is what would be the case of the universe. This is what the universe, what would come of the universe. Just as you drop those pots, everything would be thrown into chaos and then there's no more water there, there would be no more universe. So I don't sleep. Meaning, if Allah Ta'ala doesn't sleep and He's so watchful, like what's the, what's the parable, right? What's the example? That, the opposite of that is true. That He's watching so closely in order that everything keeps working. <laughs> everything stays intact. Imam Zahid Rahim then mentions that this, um that this attribute of watchfulness is only praiseworthy if it is directed to Allah and to our own hearts. And this is only by knowing that Allah is watching him and that shaitan and the nafs are an enemy to us. So this is how we, what we take away from raqib. And we mentioned so many times, right, hadith of Jibreel that, uh, you know, uh, Jibreel came and asked Rasulullah that what is Ihsan? And he said to worship Allah as though you see him. أَن تَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَى فَإِن لَمْ تَرَى إِنَّهُ يَرَى something to that effect. That worship Allah as though you see Him and if, he, if you don't see Him, then know that definitely He sees you. This is the reality of Raqib. And if we bring this reality into our life, this one attribute, if we bring the reality of this one attribute into our life, then we'll live a pious life. That's it. Right? That's it. That's, that's everything. Right? <coughs> Any questions? Do you think, would you encourage like, you know, people to take risks? You know like, when it would um, let us be in danger, but then we believe like, you know, believing this as a problem, that we, we can protect it. So yeah, I mean, Allah <laughs> let that does protect, right? But like, we can't be ignorant either. We can't be foolish either, right? So unnecessary risk you know, is not, is not good, right? So there's a narration of an individual who said what to the Prophet Sallallahu He left, he went into the masjid and he left his camel outside and he didn't tie it down. So Rasulullah ﷺ told him that you should tie your camel down. He said, oh, I trust in Allah. He said, okay, but you have to do your part also. You trust in Allah, but that camel can walk away. You do your part, and then if something happens, maybe it's a test from Allah, right? So Allah Ta'ala has given us the means. That's why, you know, there's a narration there's a narration that Hassan al-Basri rahimullah, right, great great tabi'i right, and he met Ali radiallahu. Anh. He was walking one day with his student, and he they come to a river, and he says uh, he stops at the river. So his student says, "What's wrong? Why'd you stop?" He says, "I'm waiting for someone to come to take us across." So the student says, "What? You can't just walk across, right?" So people thought, "Oh, the student has like this miracle, this karama he can perform that he can walk on water." Okay, so. People thought the student has surpassed the teacher. And uh, the reality was, the ulama say the reality was, no, he didn't surpass the teacher. Hassan Basri Rahimullah could also walk across the water. But he understood how the order of Allah is in this world. That he has made this world as a means to things. He has created a means and we have to use those means. And that is a higher level of worship to Allah Ta'ala. To use the means that he's given us. Right? And to not use the means, that's foolishness. Right To not use our effort to try and use them to, to get the means or to, to achieve our goals, that's foolishness. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. So you were talking earlier about uh, about forgiving others and stuff like that. And I think, at least for me and Jeku, it's uh, sometimes hard to forgive you whenever you to. Yeah. And it's hard to do, like, you could say, like, oh, I, I forgive them, but you still have that, you know, that kind yeah. of lingering, you know, like, okay, yeah. well, I, I, I still, I'm still, like, kind of, like, uh, spiteful towards it, you know? Yeah. So how do we, like, I guess, take control of that and, and, and like, sincerely, like, you know, I, I want to forgive them or whatever, Yeah. and to, so I can gain that status with a lot Yeah. More. So... Number one is that you should go out of your way to be good to them, right? And that's going against your nafs because your nafs don't want it, right? Your nafs don't want, even though you might not want to be bad to them, but your nafs don't want you to go out of your way to be good to them. So that's going against your nafs, okay? So there's a great reward in that. Um, And second, get them a gift. Compliment them, right? This is all going out of your way to be good to them. Gifts bring people together, right? So it will create more of a bond they'll be happy with you, then they'll start going out of their way. They, to their way to be nice to you, right? Even if they might not give you a gift, but even if it's something small, right? You give them whatever, it starts bringing that, it's basically, um, you have like an ill feeling in your heart, right, so that starts going away. The more kindness that there is between two individuals, the less ill feeling there is, right? And then you make du'a and also put yourself in their shoes, like think, if I was to do this to them, or think about, if I, what have I done to wrong someone else? Right? I would want them to forgive me, right? Remind yourself of that. And then it's a process, inshallah, then it'll, it'll eventually go away. Right? And then if they wrong you, again, don't remind them of the favors that you did for them. Because that throws water on it all. Right? If you've done a favor to somebody and then you remind them of the favors you've done, that's like, it's just throwing water on it. Like, it's as though you didn't do anything. Because then that, now you've removed that sincerity. You know? make biggest thing is you know make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to remove that from your heart as well any other questions <coughs> Rabana Atina Fiddunya Hassanata Hirati Hassanata Rabana Wala to Hamilama Talkati Wafuana Wafidana What Hamna and Temoulana Fansuna L com Cafiren. Ya Allah, we have sinned, Ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves. Ya Allah forgive us of our sins, our major sins, our minor sins. Ya Allah, forgive and guide and bless our parents, our teachers, our Mashaik, Allah. Ya Allah, grant us pious spouses, Ya Allah, make us pious, Ya Allah, guide us on the straight path. Use us to guide others, Ya Allah, guide our families, guide everyone in our families, and guide our progeny, Ya Allah, grant us a pious progeny, Ya Allah, a progeny that you are pleased with, Ya Allah, grant us a life that is pleasing to you, a death that is pleasing to you, and raise us on Yom al with those that have pleased you. Ya Allah, all those that are sick and suffering around the world, Ya Allah, remove their sicknesses, remove their suffering. Ya Allah, grant us the strength to stand up against oppression, Ya Allah, and remove oppression from the world. Ya Allah, all the pure and pious needs that people have around the world, grant them their needs, Ya Allah. Grant us patience and suburban in times of difficulty, Ya Allah. Do not allow difficulty to befall us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, always keep us in a state that we are thankful to you and grant us a life of afia. Allahumma innas allak min khairi masalek minhu nabiyukum Muhammadan sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wana'udhuk min shari mashtaghah minhu nabiyukum Muhammadan sallallahu alaihi wasallam. sallam. musta'an wa'aleek al-bala wa la haula wa la quwwata illa billahi al-azim. Subhan Rabbi karab al-azzi yasifun wa salamun al-mulasilin walhamdulillahirabbil I'm